Well, good day, everyone, and welcome uh, to the first FS Club webinar this week. For those of you who are budding Thomas Edison's out there, uh, can I really be an inventor if I work in finance? How and when to obtain patent protection for financial innovations? And we're going to have a fascinating morning uh, session today on a topic I think is, is secretly probably more important than many people in financial services uh, understand. Uh, those of you out there probably know me. I'm Michael Minelli. I'm one of the directors of Zien, and it was really my privilege to be able to chair uh, several of these webinars uh, over the last few months. Uh, and I can only do so and with uh, such glee, really, because our sponsors are a wide, varied, and, and accommodating group of people who are extremely tolerant and let us wander across technology, economics, and finance, often with a social purpose. Now, patents are an area that are fascinating and interesting and one that has long been on our minds here at Zien. We've made uh, numerous proposals on patent reform. Uh, but today, we're going to have an expert talking to us, uh, Dr. Howard Sands, uh, who is, in fact, a, a, I must say, from the firm that we use when we look for patent or trademark advice. Uh, it's not an advertisement, it's just a fact. Um, so I, I thought I'd at least get that out there. Uh, my job, of course, is you know to get out of the way and let you uh, chat to Howard. But just before I do so, uh, please remember that we will be having a discussion afterwards, which I'll be leading with Howard. Your comments and questions are most, most welcome. So use the GoToWebinar facility. Don't email Howard or me, for that matter. We're online here with you. Uh, but there is a question bar there that you can use uh, to send questions through, and we would genuinely welcome them. Uh, further, if any of you would like to be put in touch with Howard directly, if you simply uh, indicate that on the question bar to me, I'll make sure that Howard has your email and can contact you later. So we're not going to get into your particular uh, patent application or your perpetual motion machine, uh, but we will uh, happily put you in touch with a man who, who knows what to do with it. Now, as you know, uh, we're, we're not rude here. We're just uh, to the point. Uh, you've seen Howard's uh, biography. And therefore, if you don't mind, I'm just going to hand over to you, Howard. The floor is yours. Thank you very much, Michael. Um, as Michael said, I specialize in preparing and prosecuting uh, patents in computer implemented uh, inventions and advising on the validity and infringement of such patents. My, my background is physics, and I also worked within uh, financial services building computer systems before becoming a patent attorney. Um, as an overview of this webinar, uh, we need to provide a short background describing patents in general. Um, there are limits to what can receive patent protection for financial technology. So we will briefly look at these limits and what people are working in this industry can do to maximize the prospects for success. We're going to look at uh, what others are filing and getting granted and provide some practical examples on how to develop a patent strategy. Next slide. So what is a patent? Uh, essentially, a patent is a bargain between uh, the inventor and the state. You as a, uh, an inventor disclose how your invention works and in return you obtain a 20-year monopoly. Um, the rub is that you need to disclose your invention before you know whether or not you're going to have a patent granted. Patents are alternatives to trade secrets which can last as long as you keep, keep them secret. Uh, of course this can be a risk especially with a high turnover of, turnover of personnel. Uh, patents and national rights are limited to one country and don't usually extend protection across borders. This is something to keep in mind when dealing with cloud computing or distributed networks, for example. Next slide, please. 
So why patent? Um, a patent as, as a monopoly is a barrier to competitors. It's a negative right. It stops others from doing something. Uh, it's not a license to do or make your own invention. Your work may be covered by other people's patents, for example. Uh, it's also a capture of value, so you can attract investment, you can license, sell, or even mortgage patents. Um, patent portfolios have been sold for billions of dollars. Uh, you can use them to gain a competitive advantage. Even ungranted patents, uh, patent applications can dissuade competitors from moving into a market or copying your particular business um, model. They can be used as a defensive strategy. You can counter sue as a defense for an infringement action. Um, therefore, you may end up cross-licensing, enabling both parties to work their own, own inventions whilst keeping other competitors out. Uh, it can be a reward for inventors. You can provide them with kudos to help in their career, put their name in lights. Uh, and uh, they can be also used as a marketing tool. You're declaring that your technology is cutting edge. Uh, no one else does this, it's unique. Um, and of course, different industries use patents in different ways. Uh, the requirements for uh, patent, uh, patents to be granted uh, are specific to country. Um, this is a powerful monopoly and most countries have novelty requirements. This means your invention must be new over earlier disclosures. Even your own in disclosures and oral and internet disclosures are included in this. So be careful before making that press release. Disclosing publicly before filing a patent application is in effect giving away your in innovation for free. The non-obvious requirements means that at least one difference exists between your invention and the prior art. It can be a fairly low bar. Uh, this could include new uses for existing technology or perhaps hash functions for use in blockchains. Um, there are, of course, formalities to, to uh, take care of. You need to pay certain fees, file certain forms, meet many deadlines. Um, I strongly recommend you leave this to an expert patent attorney as there are many pitfalls involved in this. And there are other requirements. The most important for this particular field is excluded matter. Uh, as we will see, it's, it's very important for financial and computer implemented invention patents. Each country is different. You may get granted a patent in one country and refuse in another. So you may wish to uh, consider filing in multiple countries. Next slide, please. Um, so what is patentable? Uh, this uh, is an example of a country-specific rule. I'm going to focus on Europe in this particular uh, um, talk, but uh, there are two routes to getting a granted patent in the UK. You can go, you can file directly with the UK Patent Office, or you can file at the European Patent Office. Uh, the EPO centrally grant uh, patents, but they each become a natural patent in the different countries that you choose. On top of the usual requirements for novelty and non-obviousness, there are specific rules in Europe relating to computer-implemented inventions. The European Patent Convention, or EPC, includes such uh, requirements way back in the 1970s, but European law and practice has developed as technology has improved in this area. Uh, it's important to note that the EPC is a non-EU treaty. It's unaffected by Brexit. Um, and the specific article we need to look at just briefly, don't worry, uh, is Article 52, which states quite clearly that patents are only granted for inventions. Um, what is an invention? It's not actually defined in the treaty, but uh, you do get a list of uh, things which are considered not to be an invention. This is a non-exhaustive -ex list. You can see that this includes uh, methods for uh, doing business and programs for computers. So uh, 
on the face of it, it looks like a fairly inhospitable waters for computer implemented inventions and perhaps financial um, type applications. But we're rescued to some extent by subsection three. The words as such are very important here. It's effectively limiting that list of exclusions to those things almost in isolation. So whereas the program for the computer is excluded, the, uh, the computer itself is not. So you could think that including your computer in your patent claim may overcome this exclusion in a trivial way. But as we, as we, sh we shall see, it's not quite that easy. Uh, the EPO assess uh, whether or not something's excluded uh, based on the obviousness test, the two things come together, which can complicate things. It can be a finely balanced decision, especially when an invention relates to a business process. Um, as we, can, we will see later on, processing financial business data can meet this test in many cases. The UK has a similar uh, section, section one, which effectively mirrors article 52. It's just worded differently. Uh, the laws are supposed to be harmonized, but because the UK follows UK case law and the, uh, the, law of, uh, the case law of the courts, uh, and Europe follows its own case law uh, and its own guidelines, those, those decisions can diverge somewhat. So you may find that some, in some examples, um, you'll get something granted through the European Patent Office, but not necessarily through the UK Patent Office. Um, they're supposed to be harmonized, but you get different decisions and this can affect your particular patent filing strategy. Um, I've tried to illustrate with this slide, there's a, a continuum of non-patentable side of things on the, uh, the right and cl clearly patentable computer implementing inventions. Uh, on the left, you can see things like uh, software that controls physical items like an en engine. That typically doesn't have problems with excluded matter. On the right, uh, when we have uh, risk analysis or uh, finance inventions, this can, such as trading and retail schemes, we, we, uh, we, we can have more problems. Uh, we can do our best to move them to the left by presenting these inventions differently within patent applications, or maybe focusing on particular aspects of those schemes. Next slide. Moving to the left, uh, in general, the more technical aspects we can highlight, the better. Uh, if you have aspects in your business scheme that improve security or speed and computing efficiencies, or even innovative storage techniques, this can be effective in obtaining grant uh, in Europe. Whilst overall systems may have a financial aim, aim the, the way in which these are achieved, providing a faster, more efficient or more secure process, can provide the technical details necessary to obtain patent grants. I've included some links to the EPO's guidance on this. And it's important to note that the EPO itself encourages patent filings in these areas. Next slide. Um, things that aren't usually patentable uh, are examples of processes that may not even require a computer, but could be carried out by people perhaps using paper and pencils. Mathematical formula on their own um, are not usually patentable, but they may be patentable if they make the computer or system work in a better way. However, combinations of technical and non-technical components can be patentable if we can show that the overall, uh, overall there is a technical effect being achieved. Next slide. Um, to illustrate how the EPO is dealing with these applications, I've delved into some, some numbers um, and to see what's actually possible. And success is possible with careful navigation and, of course, careful advice. The 
numbers that I've used uh, are based on search categories. When a uh, application is filed, the search examiner will provide a search category, which determine, also determines which examining division will review the application. I've chosen Geo6Q. This is a significant uh, search category for computer implemented inventions as it includes data processing, management, and financial type applications. Um, it's a proxy for computer implemented inventions in general. It doesn't include every single one of them. Going back 10 years, you can see that filings are increasing substantially in this area, as well as grants. Grants will lack filings due to the EPO's backlog. Um, from the, the graphs, which illustrate graphically the, the numbers, uh, you can see there's been a step change in the last five years for uh, Geo6Q uh, patents granted in, in Europe. This, to some extent, is due to the EPO's efforts to clear this uh, backlog. Um, and the graph on the right just illustrates that there's a general increase, but it's leveling off in the terms of uh, filings in this area. Next slide. So in order to determine whether the EPO are becoming more willing to, willing to grant uh, computer implemented invention patterns in general, we can compare these types of technology with the overall trends. Uh, the EPO's approach is fairly stable with regards to their case law uh, and in reinforcing this approach. You can see that the total uh, European findings is, is going up and the grants again is going up with uh, that step change in the last few years. Uh, the overall percentage of Geo6Q patterns is leveling off a bit so you'd expect the grants to follow that but uh, the graph on the right is effectively normalized against this uh, what it shows is that the trend is for the patent office to grant a greater proportion of geo6q patents compared to general patents in general in, across the board um, this is good news for financial uh, innovations and computer implemented inventions in general so what's the, what's behind this um, the, the EPO, are they becoming more open to computer implemented inventions? Uh, they're certainly issuing press releases and updating the examination guidelines, indicating that they are more open to receiving applications for new computer technologies. Um, I would expect applicants have a better understanding of the EPO's approach. They could be more selective in their filings and better at backing winners. I also like to think that us as European practitioners are getting better at our job. Um, it's probably a a combination of these factors. Next slide. There's different ways of applying for patent application for, for a patent, and um, the you can file an international application with it or a PCT. This is effectively a single application that covers around 150 separate national patents. You'll still require a national examination, national grant, um, but from these this slide you can see that. Uh, even internationally, um, computer technology and IT methods for management, including financial technology, is growing fast. So this is clearly a, a, a worldwide trend. Next slide. Focusing down specifically on, on the applications, it's all about the patent claim. Uh, the claim forms the basis of the patent application. It's a single sentence stating the most general features of the invention and how the features interact to solve a particular problem. Uh, a patent attorney is essential for this process whose most important job is to draft claims. Uh, useful exercises in invention mining to identify uh, inventions within the system or process. 
in order to both capture the point of novelty and identify the most commercially useful aspects of a system that may require patent protection. Next slide. I've chosen several examples to try and um, bear this out and give you a, an idea of what a patent claim looks like in financial services. Uh, these are all sort of edge cases, uh, but were successful, ultimately successful. Uh, next slide. The first is PayPal. Let's try to analyze how the EPO would um, assess such a claim. Uh, we've got several features that are clearly technical in nature. This is a computer implemented method. There's a verification system, uh, user interface, storage means, transaction processor. These are all uh, technical items. Uh, whilst the method works on financial accounts, which is generally considered to be a business, business data and so non-technical data by the EPO, the way that the components operate to authorize the user uh, was determined to solve a technical problem. As those novel features are not found in the prior art or earlier documents, and provide benefits, for example, only authorizing a transaction if a set of conditions are met, then this claim is considered to be non-obvious. Therefore, the, uh, the claim meets both requirements. Uh, the EPA found this method of authorizing a financial account and transaction to be patentable despite the exclusions for business methods and computer programs. Next slide. Um, this is an interesting case. Uh, this comes from a financial institution. I've chosen this example as it shows how a good way of presenting your invention in the best possible light. Uh, this may, be, may well be very different to how the underlying system was proposed to the actual business who may have a very different way to assess its merits. When you're filing a patent application, you're presenting it to the patent office who need to assess it. You're not selling it commercially to your customers or, or to the business. Um, it's interesting that no mention is made in this particular patent claim regarding finance or transactions at all. Uh, when you look at the specification, this is actually all about completing large trades across multiple exchanges. The problem was that closer exchanges had lower latencies and so that some segments of a large trade were completed before others, distorting the market and providing undesirable arbitrage opportunities. Again, none of this is mentioned in the claim, which still covered the actual solution. Nevertheless, the way in which the claim was presented provided a granted patent to this business problem. So you may well have a business problem, but looking at how that is solved is something that could be patentable. Next slide, please. The uh, this claim um, is also includes uh, components that are used in a sales environment. There's a point of sale terminal, a cellular telephone. Um, encryption keys are essentially just numbers, uh, but their use of them to enhance security provides a technical solution to a technical problem. In this case, this involves a physical device, the CMPPT, that safeguards customer data. Generally, if a code developer is simply putting into effect a scheme described by a non-technical business person, then the invention may be excluded from patent protection. However, in this case, the EPO concluded that the implementation of this business concept, processing payments without risking customer data from being misused, involved the development of new technical devices and protocols which go beyond the general purpose computer and straightforward programming aspects of the business concept. And so these aspects provided a technical com contribution and so a granted patent. 
I've got a more detailed paper on this analysis found from this link and perhaps illustrates the level of the bar uh, applied in the assessment of obviousness. Now, uh, next slide. The, the Looking at a patent strategy, uh, you need to decide, decide when to patent. So you've decided you don't want to be left behind and develop a patent strategy. Uh, when you have a clear idea of what a system or process will look like, uh, uh, e.g. after a functional specification has been written, or more informally, once you're ready to instruct developers to start coding, then this is a good time to consider whether patents will enhance the project and your business, uh, i.e. Uh, adding barriers to entry for your competitors. If you fall too early, then there isn't enough detail and you may struggle to satisfy the sufficiency requirements. Remember that patent bargain with the state, you have to disclose clearly how your invention is um, can be put into effect. And if you haven't worked out those details, you might not be um, fully be able to fully disclose that. Uh, lack of sufficiency can be a ground for revocation. If you file too late, too many people may be aware of the solution, risking public disclosure and destroying novelty. Again, if you sent it to the developers already, and there's lots of them, you may be in, in, instructing uh, external people, uh, then the risks of disclosure go up. So at this stage, a patent attorney can delve in and evaluate a project. I like to sit down with inventors and walk through the system, identifying the clever parts or elegant solutions to particularly sticky problems. We can carry out initial novelty searches and prepare the patent specification and claims ready for filing. All parties need to understand what is being claimed, so several reviews may take place. We need to be clear that everyone knows, uh, I as a patent attorney understand the invention clearly and the inventor or the business understands what's being claimed, so the, the, the potential scope of protection is being afforded by this uh, so that it can meet the commercial requirements. Um, the filing, initial filing starts the prosecution process. As I said before, these are national rights. You can file first in one country. Uh, the search and examination stage is carried out by the patent office, even though you may well have searched it yourself. Uh, you're likely to need to amend or limit your patent claims once the examination starts, and a balance can be reached between pursuing broad protection and obtaining grants. Some negotiations with the patent office may take place. You might need to be quite pragmatic about this. You may want broader protection, but the patent office digs in their heels. Uh, and so you need to decide whether narrowing the scope is going to affect your commercial uh, position too much or whether a grant is just something you want to obtain. You also need to consider the following uh, the foreign filing program. Um, you don't need to do this until 12 months from your initial filing, so there's no initial rush, but this time can go past very quickly. You may need specific commercial advice regarding which countries to file in. The more countries you file in, the higher the cost, so there needs to be a balance against coverage and cost. Uh, you ideally want to develop broad patents, but generally multiple uh, narrower patents can, forward a, can form a portfolio producing a patent thicket. Uh, this is a typical strategy of large corporate filers they will go for large numbers of relatively narrow uh, patents, uh, building up a, lots of small islands of protection uh, covering the market. Um, but don't forget to watch your competitors. You need to be aware of what they're doing, and you can do this. 
Um, remember, this is a, uh, a bargain with the state. They have to disclose as well what they're doing. Uh, and you can search for other people's uh, patent applications and patent granted patents and see what they've done in the past. Avoid reinventing the wheel. They may have solved the same problem that you're working on. They may have not uh, uh, extended patent protection to your particular country. Um, keep an eye on what they're up to. If your competitors do obtain patents, this could introduce difficulties for your business. Um, there are options for opposing those patents if you think that they've been granted something they shouldn't have been granted for. For instance, uh, it's not new or you were doing this before them. Uh, and you've also had this in the public domain. Uh, an EPL position uh, can be a lower cost compared to national litigation. Um, there are other tools for watching competitors. Again, patent attorneys have access to more powerful uh, patent uh, searching databases. So that's something to consider. Uh, but this link again is free. You can just do uh, word searches. And so it's a good start. In summary, patents for financial innovations are being granted on a large scale. Uh, protecting your own innovations is possible, but requires careful expert and expert navigation. Uh, this should be thought of on an ongoing and adaptable process that supports your business aims. You may well file your application, you develop your system and things may change. Uh, you'll want to keep uh, filing or considering filings as, as you uh, change your system, come up with new innovations uh, and develop a portfolio. You may also find that existing patents that you've had granted or applications are no longer relevant, relevant and want to put uh, your resources into uh, different material. So you can drop your old applications in favor of newer ones. There is a time delay between filing and grants. So uh, things move much slower in the patent process than they may do in software and financial innovation. But again, you've got to keep up uh, and keep abreast of, of what's going on amongst in your own business and amongst your competitors. Uh, this should be thought of as an ongoing adaptable process that supports your business aims. Um, uh, thank you. I think we can go to a, a discussion now. Michael. Well, that was fantastic, um, Howard. Thank you very, very much for that. Um, I know I encourage you to canter briefly through everything, and it's, a, it's an enormous area, as we know. Uh, I particularly took to heart the comment you made in the slide just before this one, how easy it is to track your competitors and see what's going on in the space. And I think that's a really good point that people often overlook as they're doing competitive analysis is to just simply go and look at patents in that area and what's happening. I've certainly found that recently with a number of our, our smart ledger clients where they've, uh, they've sort of said, what's going on in the space? And you say, well, look at the scale of patenting in the blockchain area that has just rocketed really in the last three or four years. Um, so anyway, we've got a lot of uh, comments and questions, so I'll, I'll just sort of kick in if I, I might. Um, Anthony Abel is interested if you could just say a few words about cost benefits uh, in this space, is it, or maybe not because uh, you're kind of selling it, but how would one go about assessing the cost of the benefits of patenting? No, I mean, you could you could think as a patent attorney that I'd want everyone to spend every, all their money on, on filing patent applications. Well, of course, but in reality, I. I'm here to support your business. Um, if you've got to have a commercial reason for filing a patent application, uh, and you've got to remember that also, I'm going to be bothering you later later on, uh, as well as the initial uh, invention mining process, I'm going to come back to you with 
uh, search reports and examination reports and, and have to get your input on this. So it's not just initial the money that you're going to be spending on this. There's a, a certain amount of management time to be spent. So it's if you've got the crown jewels to your business, that's something you want to protect. As I say, if you disclose this publicly, you're giving it away for free. And that's fine. You may think that you can get to market first and keep all the uh, everything secret. But in, re in reality, that's that yeah, people can reverse engineer this quite in especially in this area quite easily. Um, so it's concentrating on the key aspects, the key problems that you found when you were developing your system. What was the really clever bit? What was the really tricky bit that you put a lot of effort into? Uh, you might have a lot, large numbers of people scratching their heads for weeks and then they found a solution. That's the thing to concentrate on. That's where you put your uh, put your resources in. Um, and, and don't just try and file left, right and center because that becomes an unmanageable process. It's much more important to, to look at what's important commercially. And these things may change and you might find that going later on, uh, what you thought was really, really important, actually it's not important anymore. You've changed the software, you've changed the process and you can afford to drop that in favor of something new. So balancing, balancing those costs is important. Quite a few of, of our listeners are interested in just, a, I know this is hard, but a kind of a rule of thumb about cost and time. So just or a range, uh, I, a reasonable I, range. Maybe. I would say in this area, you should budget in the first 12 months about 10K, 10,000 pounds to uh, do a proper job of invention mining, uh, identify the, 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 the features, uh, and then produce your uh, the, the pan specification. Um, that gives you an amount of resources to, to get a, one or two filings in that area. Uh, but that's gonna be the start. As, it, as you file in different countries down the line, after 12 months, 24 months, um, that's going to that's going to uh, spread out. Each each national filing is going to have its own cost. Um, but these are in a year's two, one, two, three, four years time. So it's not necessarily your initial cost. It's the long term, and you don't have to incur this. If you change your mind, that stops. Um, hopefully, by that point, you'll know whether your innovation is important or not, uh, and has has been. Uh, commercially successful. If it's not, move on to something else. Um, how, how much is the UK filing? A uh, filing fee at the UK is very, very reasonable actually. The, 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 um, the UK patent office is effectively subsidized by yearly renewal fees. Um, it's about £30 to file, a, £60 to file a, a patent application in the UK. That's the official fee. Um, most of the cost is for someone like me to draft it and spend the time. Um, uh, the, the official fees in the UK are incredibly low, a few hundred pounds at most. Uh, the European Pan Office is a bit more realistic because you actually end up paying uh, probably more like the real cost. So about 1500 pounds or so to file in, in Europe. Uh, but that's because they're getting renewal fees, whereas the UK Pan Office is, uh, sorry, the, the, the UK patent office are getting renewal fees for everyone's existing patents, whereas the U European patent office aren't. They, when, when, they, when they're granted, they stop. So there's a there's a cross subsidy going on here. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, the UK patent office is a, a great place to file first because the, the, the official fees are, are low. Um, Anthony was also interested in uh, just a, a quick remark, if you don't mind, on the maintenance costs of uh, IP over time. Well, 
Um, they they tend to expand and they're deliberate. That's deliberately so. You'll find uh, you have to pay a, re a yearly renewal fee, uh, which starts off relatively low in the UK. It's about seventy pounds or so, uh, going up for that's for the first the first year or the first few years. Uh, by the time you get to your 19, 20 year renewal fees, you're looking at more like a thousand pounds, and and that's deliberate. They're trying to encourage people to uh, to drop old patterns that they're not using. Um, so that's that's one aspect of, of of the cost. But again, each year when you when your renewal comes up, you have to decide: well, is this patent is this 15 year old patent in blockchain technology still relevant anymore? Mm. Um, so you just decide whether you want to carry on or not. Um, on that line, so. So it's just on that line of uh, governments intending to kind of flush out the old stuff. Uh, Bob McDowell's interest, can governments intervene to negate registered patents in the national interest? Yes, there is uh, there is statutory um, uh, ways for the government to do this. It's it's normally, uh, it's, it's hardly ever used. Um, it can be for uh, items that there's a great need, thinking about, you know, Someone's got a pattern for a for a vaccine, very relevant these days, and they're not producing enough vaccine. The government can step in and uh, and say, well, you're not meeting the market requirements in the UK. Uh, we're going to um, compulsory license mark this pattern as compulsory licensed. Other people will then still need to pay you a license, but on a on a fairly low scale. So they, there's a compulsory license scheme in place for those sort of very rare occasions, but. It, it hardly ever happens, and it it really doesn't happen in in this field at all. Um, military technology, there's a, there's a whole load of rules for for keeping state secrets and things like that, that the, where the government can can step in, but it's it's very rare as as well. So yeah. Uh, Trevor Hilder is uh, curious. Just could you comment on how different are these patent offices in different jurisdictions, USA, China, Europe? Uh, so the they're they're all actually quite different. The US um, also has restrictions on on what can be granted. Uh, they have a quite a totally different way of doing things. They generally have uh, built up a, a lots of examples of 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 uh, computer implemented invention patents that they will accept, and you have to basically match your claim to their examples. And you can say they're similar enough, the patent office will grant it. Um, that's that, that sort of formulaic approach is very different to the European Patent Office, where the examiner will actually have to think about what's obvious or not. Um, China was actually set up the, 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 more recently to, to follow European practice. They were trained by the German Patent Office, actually, the Chinese examiners. So they have a, a actually quite strangely enough, a, a, a European view on things. Uh, they had the same sort of added matter requirements and the same sort of excluded matter um um type practice um places like korea they have much lower bar for for granting computer implementing invention patents they will grant things that typically don't get granted elsewhere uh places like south africa will grant everything and leave it it's a registration process you get a patent granted for whatever you file it's then up to you to enforce it and show it's valid at this enforcement stage. So it completely turns on its head this whole uh, this whole monopoly idea. They will grant it and let it leave it up to you to 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 show that it's novel and, and non-obvious when you want to enforce it. And all the other patents are just on the books, having effectively not been examined at all. Um, but of course, if you've got your 
South African patent and your European patent, and they're very different scope. And the European examiner has looked at it very carefully. The same requirements are actually in place in, in those other countries. So whilst there's a granted patent there for something that might not necessarily be, should should have been granted, uh, it's all, all these databases are open. You can see the corresponding patents in different countries and what different patent offices did. So whether you've got a, you'll have to make a call whether you want to uh, move into those different jurisdictions. Um, that just like those links for, for patent searches, they will they will extend to all the different countries. And you can generally see uh, which countries patents were granted for for a particular portfolio. Some countries are better than others. Don't assume because you can't find it on a database. It doesn't exist. Some countries just don't publish things, and you might find that you, you need to get local uh, take local advice. And, and someone like a a UK a patent attorney will be able to advise on 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 which countries you need to get specific advice from. Okay. Uh, Bob McDowell's kind of curious, what are the current case law trends in interpretation of patent law? Are they towards the owner and registering party or are they towards a more restrictive interpretation? Um, the In the UK, I think they're essentially fair, possibly more patentee friendly, but pretty much 50-50. Um, Europe, they are they, they take a much more academic view. They don't care whether it's a pat, it's the patentee or the opponent. They will look at it from a from the point of view. Even though another one of their colleagues has granted this at the opposition stage, they will look at it afresh and assess it based on its merits at that stage. So very strictly down the line with with the the European Patent Office. Um, the US, there's certain. Uh, amounts of forum, forum shopping that goes around. Uh, some uh, courts in the US have been found in, in, to be particularly um, on the side of patentees. So patentees will want to want to, prosec uh, to prosecute um, uh, infringements in those jurisdictions, and then the, the the potential infringer will want to change it and argue that it shouldn't be heard in those courts. So uh, the US is a bit more. But it depends where the where, which particular court is looking at this. I'd say more more patentee friendly. The US is certainly a uh, a jurisdiction where there's the rules are in place to some extent to help business uh, protect their ideas. Um, and you've got the big question of, of of China. How do they enforce things? In the past, it could be thought of a local uh the, the the chinese side of a, an argument if you're dealing with a foreign foreign um a foreign infringer or even patentee they would in the past tend to favor the, the chinese local market but they're trying to get better at that they're trying to bring in more investment so uh, be, become a, a fairer system so it's moving in the right direction okay. um yeah um hugh I mean, you, you kindly presented a number of numbers there and so this this may need to be a little bit subjective but uh hugh purser's curious in this era of fintech, is there any evidence that fintech startups and smaller companies are filing a larger number of patents? And are there any examples of those that have been uh, challenged and successfully defended? It's it's difficult with 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 small startups and fintech. They tend to file one or two applications, and that's their that's what they stick to. Um, it's going to be more expensive for them. They can't build up this patent portfolio very quickly. So you can see a large, I mean, I see many individual startups uh, and we, we try and uh, get their patents granted. Um, but you're going to see a lot of, a large numbers of single 
single pan uh, portfolios for those. I haven't got the numbers uh, there, but without that, um, it's very hard to attract investment. So they really have to. As I get quite a number of small startups saying, and I hadn't even considered uh, filing patent applications, but this VC has come along and said they won't give me any investment unless I file something. What can I do? Uh, so they are doing that, and the the investors are getting uh, are pushing that more than necessarily the startups, because otherwise, what are you investing in? You're investing in a good idea that anyone else can copy. Mm -hmm. They actually want to see something in place, a pan application number and a filing date. It gives them something more concrete to to, to hang their their investment on and make their decision uh, on. Um, but it, it 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 is it is a, a relatively expensive game uh, to play, which is why the the bigger uh, companies and institutions take uh, are filing more than the smaller ones. I mean that's uh, that's that's goes without that saying. But yeah, it's unless unless those smaller players are are filing, they're they're not going to be able to keep their innovation secret. And as soon as they take off, there's going to be so many copiers that it suddenly negates their advantage very quickly. Um, another listener is curious, um, what do you think of the idea of a, a small company actually publishing openly uh, a process that might be patentable just to establish prior art and prevent other patents from coming in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you take, what I, what I suggest to, to clients and potential clients is they don't necessarily file, but they make the, the um, active decision whether to file or not or whether to publish or not and as long as they're aware of what they're doing and that they're d disclosing and that other people can move in they might find that this particular aspect is not something they want to to protect with pans uh, but they don't want anyone else to do so put it on the internet put it uh, we give it a date uh, issue a press release uh, that is a a strategy for large and small country co uh, companies to do they Using a patent application as a publication tool is a very, very expensive way to publish if that's all you're going to do with it. Put it on the internet and make sure that no one else has got a way of, uh, of, of um, stopping them from doing something. Another thing that people tend to, another mistake the smaller people that aren't um, involved in the process before would think is, I can patent something or someone else can patent something um, because it hasn't been patented before. So it's like a they look at the world as as a, like a jigsaw piece, and that, that place that piece hasn't been put in place yet. So therefore, I can have it. That's not the case. It it you only get a patent granted if it's novel and it's not obvious. Just because someone else hasn't got a patent filing for it yet doesn't mean you can have that. Um, and the other aspect is just because you file your application and you've uh, and you've got a patent granted doesn't necessarily mean that. Uh, you can do that process. That someone might have an earlier patent that stops you from doing one aspect of your one of your aspect of your system in place. So yeah, there's all there's lots of, uh, of subtleties in this area. Yeah. Um, the, just out of curiosity, but Bob is curious uh, as he understands it, uh, a patent holder can refuse to license the patent. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, you, it's your property. It's your monopoly. Um, if you don't want to, if you don't want to um, license your your patent, uh, then you don't have to. Th there Bob's are. Curious, do you feel people should be compelled to do that? There, when when patentees become too powerful, you've got the competition law, obviously, to to think about. 
uh, and you can't and this this just because you've got patents doesn't mean you can walk over competition law if you're if you become dominant in an area you can't abuse that position um, as we said before if you've got a, a very important life-saving or you know uh, invention that you're refusing to let anyone do that the government can step in and force you to to license that um, and if you're involved in a standard um, there's lots of standard essential patents out there, especially in telecoms. Um, if you've joined a, a group of people and, and contributed to a particular standard of uh, ways of uh, processing trades on, a, on an exchange, for instance, and then you come up and say, oh, by the way, everyone's got to pay me a license to use this standard. There's, uh, there's a case law involved that says, no, no, you can't abuse that position. You can't try and get everyone to use your standard and then come up pull out the back pocket of patents that stops everyone from doing that. So there are there are processes in place and 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 and, and laws in place to to stop that sort of abuse. But on a smaller scale, no, you, if you're if you're if you don't want to license it to someone, no, it's your property. Okay. And uh, I'm already getting a very very complimentary comments in, so uh, that's always a sign I'm going to have to disappear. Uh, but just quickly, uh, Trevor Hilder uh, is asking, do we still? Uh, I think this is going back to your earlier part of your presentation. Uh, do we basically have to define the intellectual property as though it is a complete machine? I think he took that away from your explanation of how you handle some of the financial process and mathematical elements uh, uh, of a patent. It, it depends on what you're, you can have a, a, a patent application, a patent granted for a very small uh, enhancement of an existing process. And as long as you've described where it fits in with that process, that's enough. If you're if you're uh, claiming an overall system, you do need to describe the overall system, but you don't need to go too far. You just need to be sufficient to allow someone to put into effect your patent claims. You don't need to go further than that. Um, that's a balance. You don't need to disclose everything about your business. You only need to go so far to allow someone else to do the same thing once your monopoly expires. Okay. Howard, uh, I, I, I'm conscious we've only scratched the surface of a, a fascinating topic and one that uh, very much uh, of interest to me as well. And in fact, we published uh, an intriguing uh, look at prior smarts in the uh, subject area of blockchain. So that was uh, that's online for any of the viewers there. And we do, in fact, operate a free time stamping engine, Metronomo. So if anybody wishes to prove their prior art, uh, by all means, go ahead and and use it at uh, at Zen. But uh, sadly, we've uh, come to the end of time, and hopefully, we can have you back, maybe on a, a deeper uh, a deeper look at some areas of this fascinating subject. Um, I'm afraid uh, I, I need a few minutes to say thank you to three groups of people. Uh, the first, as I opened, we are constantly impressed at our sponsors, and I can see many uh, potential clients of yours out there, Howard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> working in finance and technology, and clearly on the boundaries between both of them. Thanks uh, to all of you for your support. I'd like to thank the audience, if I might, uh, for uh, some absolutely excellent questions uh, and some really uh, kind comments back here for Howard. We're going to be looking tomorrow at a, an odd area for us. We're going to be looking at mindfulness. We have we have addressed this in the past, but it should be a, a really interesting session. Uh, the FSG, the Financial Services Group of Livery Companies, is going to be looking at anti-money laundering and the task force that they're running there will be looking at technology again, perhaps something patentable in that. Uh, and finally, we'll be uh, looking at the ESOP Center, the employee share ownership elements of employment-related security. So a lot ahead just this week. 
But Howard, it's really for me to thank you. Uh, I'm afraid in this era of COVID, I'm unable to open the audience uh, viewing platform so that they can say thank you to you in an appropriate way. But I have my Korean karmic clapper here. Uh, and so if you don't mind, I will thank you on behalf of everyone. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Really great. And I uh, hope to see you again soon. Thanks all. Thank you, Michael.